Greetings, and welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this show explores the intersection of security, technology, and society, and thinks about what might be coming next. Every Monday, there's a news and analysis episode that condenses 5 to 20 hours of reading and analysis into a 15-minute summary, as well as regular essays, interviews, and book reviews that cover specific topics. The goal is to give you a concise, curated update on the most interesting things happening in the world, and to explore ideas that give you something to think about and prepare you for what's coming next. All right, welcome to episode 282, starting off with security news. William Arkin, a former U.S. Army intelligence soldier from 1974 to 1978, says there is a secret Pentagon force of tens of thousands of civilians and contractors operating as intelligence personnel, both in person and in a cyber capacity. This was an article on Newsweek, and a lot of people are like, what is going on here? Is this real or not? Evidently, it's the result of a multi-year investigation led by Arkin, I believe. And it made me want to investigate this Arkin character. And it turns out, yes, he was a former U.S. Army intelligence soldier. And uh, he was kicked out of the Army for divulging the location of a bunch of secret nuclear bases for the U.S., and also for the Russians. So he's written a bunch of books about like secret forces around the U.S. military, one of which I'm about to read, just put it on my list. So characters like this really fascinate me because it feels like they have the pedigree to actually know what they're talking about. Plus, they did a multi-year investigation. So I feel like there's likely to be something behind this. But at the same time, I get this vibe of like they were injured emotionally by the government, or they have maybe a uh, conspiracy DNA strain or gene that basically, you know, makes them see conspiracy and everything. And they kind of have like, it's almost like a musician that can only play one note. And I feel like this, it rings true that this might be one of those cases, but this is all just impressions. So I don't know the guy. I haven't read all his books yet. But if you read this Newsweek article, it really does feel kind of like a vendetta. Like he's just harping on this one issue he's been harping on for decades now at this point. But I am going to read uh, his books, and or at least one or two of them, and see you know how much this is confirmed. In my mind, at least my impression of it. But this particular story is really interesting. I, I think... The concept is very realistic to me, that the Pentagon would go and find a bunch of people with a you know, particular set of skills and basically go out to them and say, hey, look, you're kind of being drafted, or do you want to volunteer into this force that gathers intelligence? They mentioned open source intelligence. I could just imagine a bunch of people that I know of kind of being brought into this and you know, being part of it. In a kind of a loose kind of way, not like an official capacity or anything. So that seems realistic. And then when you add his pedigree on top of it, and the fact that, you know, he does do reporting and evidently spends time thinking about this stuff, I feel like there's probably some signal there. But at the same time, I feel that there's this weird emotional valence to what he's doing, which makes me want to doubt what he's saying. 
So I wonder what the percentage is. I, I, my natural inclination is to think like 40 to 60% belief, you know, somewhere in there, maybe 30 to 70% belief. I, I don't know exactly. I need to read more. But it's uh, really interesting when you get a source that's kind of like this, where you trust them to some degree, but you have reason to distrust as well. So curious if anyone has heard anything more about this this character and what they believe. I actually hope that it is true, <laughs> uh, given all the stuff that's going on with uh, Russia and China and what we know that they're doing to us. I would like the fact that there was a giant army of, uh, well, informal army, a giant collection of people who are sort of helping our cause, hopefully doing mostly nice things and uh, intelligence gathering and benign things and not anything nasty. But uh, yeah, that would, that would be a win for us, in my opinion. So hopefully it's true. But either way, you should definitely check out the article. CISA says certain federal agencies known to be compromised need to disconnect from the internet for three to five days to fully evict SolarWinds hackers from their networks. And evidently, they just put out a massive piece of documentation on how exactly to do this. But yeah, evidently, you have to turn things off and turn them back on, like a bad router. I don't know too many organizations who are comfortable with turning off the internet for three to five days, but I guess those are the costs of compromise. CNA, one of the U.S.'s largest insurance companies, paid $40 million in ransom to regain access to their network. And they're just now coming back online after being compromised for basically weeks and largely down completely. Darkside appears to have made around $90 million in ransomware payments over the last nine months, which evidently now belong to someone else. Uh, no one knows exactly who took the money, but evidently the money is no longer in their Bitcoin wallets. China hacked RSA in 2011 and stole the seed values for RSA tokens, which at the time were used by a large number of governments, U.S. governments especially, and corporations throughout the U.S. And after a 10-year NDA, which totally blows my mind, the full story has now come out, and Andy Greenberg wrote this up for Wired, and it is a fascinating story. Yeah, complete compromise of RSA. You add that to Equifax, Marriott, OPM, and uh, something I've talked about before. China is building quite a database of compromises on the U.S., and an upcoming update to 802.11, known as uh, BF, which I think they're switching to just names and numbers. Actually, numbers, yeah. Like Wi-Fi 6, Wi-Fi 7, etc. So I don't know if this will be like 7 or 8 or something. But it will be used to identify people and objects using the actual signals. And this is something that researchers have been doing for quite some time with Wi-Fi. But yeah, you basically can combine the telemetry with AI, which has already been done, and the results are pretty terrifying. So they showed that they can shine uh, 
RF signals through walls, for example, and identify people on the other side and sort of indicate, are they prone? You know, do they look aggressive? Are they standing? Are they big? Are they small? Like all sorts of things really kind of takes you in the direction of sci-fi and uh, total recall type stuff. Um, Yeah. Super crazy stuff. Exciting. I'm super happy about it and frightened at the same time. As I am with many articles I talk about. China has increased its spending on America-focused media operations by 500% and is now the top spender on foreign influence operations in the U.S. It appears the Citizen Neighborhood Crime app is getting into the local policing business. Someone spotted a citizen. It's got the logo on the side of the vehicle and everything. Looks like a private security like SUV but it's got the Citizen logo on it, and evidently they're getting into private security forces, which, yeah, like the other story, is pretty cool and scary. I mean, I was trying to pitch an idea to a couple of my friends to go around the neighborhood and pitch, like, private security forces, and uh, they were like, yeah, that'll never be needed, like, no one will ever allow that. And, you know, the police are going to be just fine. And I'm like, no, they're not. Police are going to fail eventually. And that's exactly what's happening. We're seeing police departments basically stop responding to a lot of areas. And, of course, people with the means are now going the private route, which I'm not happy with, but I do understand. And I think it's pretty much inevitable. Jason Healy at Atlanta Council has a paper on the varying degrees of cooperation between APD groups and their home state governments. It has 10 levels ranging from 1, which is state prohibited, to 10, which is state integrated. Really interesting paper. And this is the way I believe you should think about any sort of APT when you hear about, oh, so-and-so, well, not even APT, actually, that's not quite correct. It's more like crimeware. Any kind of computer-based crime, any kind of cyber or whatever happening out of Russia, for example, or China as the other canonical example, it's like when you hear that this group, this crime group is operating, the question is where on the scale of 1 to 10 are they operating in relation to support from or integration with their government or their military? So with China, a lot of the ones that we see are very high on the list, which is close to integrated. And then with Russia, a lot of them are lower, uh, you know, mid and lower, uh, as far as the analysis that I've seen. And, but both have, you know, a wide spectrum. So I, I think it's really interesting to use this model when you're thinking about these types of attacks. The U.S. Senate is looking at a $120 billion science bill to counter Chinese innovation with emphasis on supply chain dependencies. And it's not really countering what the Chinese are doing or undoing it or anything. It's just like, you know, the Red Queen keeping pace with uh, what the Chinese are doing. I think it's a good idea. Uh, They're especially focused on supply chain around chips. So maybe even making some chips in the U.S be nice to bring some manufacturing back. Vulnerabilities. Cisco has patched a code execution flaw in its AnyConnect mobile client. Incidents 
Air India was hacked, resulting in the loss of 4.5 million passengers' data. Around 200,000 U.S. military medical records have been leaked online due to an unsecured database exposed to the internet. And Toshiba appears to have been ransomwared, possibly by Darkside, which is the same group that went after Colonial. Companies. 42 Crunch raised $17 million to do API security. And technology news. Google is sort of bringing back RSS. An upcoming version of Chrome will have a follow button for sites that have an RSS feed. And I really hope this gains momentum. I think the fall of RSS was really bad for the internet. And I'm glad that Feedly and other companies like that have kept it alive. It is my main go-to now. I use Feedly for all my information gathering. And it now supports like uh, Google Trend Alerts or Google Alert notifications. It supports Twitter. Uh, supports lots of different mechanisms for following people. So I really like it. I think it's uh, the way to go for information gathering in a lot of cases, especially as someone putting together a show like this. And Spotify is getting into audiobooks with a partnership with Storytel. And this one is cool. The new Ford F-150 Lightning electric truck looks to be extremely popular. They saw over 45,000 pre-orders in less than 48 hours. And I'm absolutely excited to see the space heat up, all this competition in the electric space. And someone like Ford getting in with, uh, you know, a really heavy entry. Very exciting. Human news. The Federal Reserve is exploring the impact of digital money, including looking at a possible development of a national digital currency. We've had 7 to 13 million excess deaths during the pandemic, which, of course, we're going to find out was due to COVID or a large percentage of them were due to COVID. San Francisco has a shoplifting epidemic, and it's so bad that Walgreens is closing 17 stores. Essentially, you could walk into any store and steal right in front of employees with no repercussions, like the police don't really do anything. And the thieves are often, I live very close to here, right? The thieves are basically going in, taking a bunch of stuff from these stores, and then putting it on the sidewalk, displayed out like their own marketplace. And people come by and buy it. And like, the police don't do anything about that. They also don't stop or try to arrest anyone who does the shoplifting. So it's just like this massive crime ring that everyone knows about. And the employees are told not to try to stop it from happening. So it's just kind of accepted. And that is why people are leaving San Francisco. It's uh, become a lawless zone. Looks like Amazon wants to buy MGM for $9 billion. The Biden administration is pushing vaccination by partnering with dating apps to display vaccination badges. I think that's pretty smart. Violent crime is spiking with homicides up 25 to 40 percent in 2020, the largest single year increase since 1960. Three researchers at China's Wuhan Institute of Virology got sick enough to go to the hospital in November of 2019 
according to newly disclosed U.S. intelligence report. The first person was officially reported sick in Wuhan on December 8, 2019. So this is adding more sort of energy to the whole debate of like investigating what exactly happened and how this got, you know, released to the public and everything. Again, could absolutely not be a lab, could absolutely be a lab in my opinion. And uh, this reporting here, I'm very careful with like where I'm getting stories about this stuff because, uh, you know, you want to make sure it's vetted sources and vetted scientists. And yeah, this has crossed the threshold of being legitimate a long time ago, which is what the only reason I've been talking about it. And uh, yeah, this is just more information about that. Like people from that actual lab getting sick enough to go to the hospital. And most regular aged people don't get sick enough from flu to go to the hospital, right? So just seems uh, super obvious that this is possible. Not, not that it absolutely did happen, but that it's possible. Again, especially since we already know it's happened many, many times, right? That's all well documented. And the fact that it's happened many times in the U.S., like this is not a Chinese problem. It's China, it's the U.S. There is a general lab virus leak problem, which has been extensively documented. Tons of journalism about it. And uh, the actual research that was being done is exactly the same kind of stuff that happened with actual COVID-19. So, yeah, it's ridiculous that this is still considered uh, off-limits for a lot of people. but. Evidently, the WHO is about to do a full investigation, so hopefully they will take it seriously. I mean, I don't think it really matters at this point, so maybe it did leak from a lab. Again, it's happened before. It'll happen again in the future. The question at this point is, like, what do we do to stop it? I don't think it should be a blame game at this point. China's released the first images from its Mars rover Zurong. Very cool looking stuff. Should check it out. Content ideas and analysis. So I got an analysis of the 2021 Verizon Data Breach Report, which is my annual look at uh, takeaways from this industry leading report. Do it every year and uh, some good stuff this year as well. And why an NTSB would not be helpful for ransomware. So I basically explore the idea of an NTSB for cyber. And why I ultimately don't think that air travel is a good metaphor for the infosec problems that we have. Notes. I am currently reading like four books, and I'm about to finish two of them and add a couple noise, a flaw in human judgment. And the one I was talking about before by that um, Arkin guy. Uh, Top Secret America, The Rise of the New American Security State. So we'll see how much of that I can tolerate. And really looking forward to this month's UL Book Club next Sunday, which is talking about The Red Queen by Matt Ridley. Oh, and I did not put this in the newsletter, but it looks like I'm going to have Matt Ridley on as an interview for the show. So that is super exciting. And getting close to finishing my Goku Vim article, made a bunch of progress this weekend, and uh, really enjoying my new Genlec 8351B studio monitors, which I'm 
basically building my whole new music studio and hi-fi setup around. Right now I'm just using them on the desk for monitors slash speakers, but we'll soon be adding mid-range towers and some subs to the mix, all powered by a Storm Audio MK2, which will all be balanced by Dirac, which is a uh, kind of a balancing software. And I've also got a Kaleidoscape, which is a movie player thing that does like lossless um, video and audio, kind of like a movie theater experience. And along with a new LG TV, which is the new 2021 83-inch version of the OLED. So that should be fun. Going to try to add some Philips Hue Dolby Atmos integration for some lighting effects to go with the sound. Should be fun to explore. Discovery? Is this a cyber attack? This is a friend's side project that answers whether or not a given incident was indeed a cyber attack. I think this is a uh, much needed public service because a lot of things that like reporters and, and lay people talk about as cyber attacks actually were not. Good example is the colonial incident. It was not a cyber attack. They just were doing regular ransomware on a regular IT network and did not realize it was such an important oil company. And the oil company itself turned off the pipeline because they could not charge people for oil. And that, according to most journalists who loosely cover the space, it's like one of the biggest cyber attacks ever, and it went after critical infrastructure. Actually, not true. So what my friend did was take a list of incidents, cyber incidents, and go through and say, was this actually a cyber attack? And it's a pretty well put together site. You should check it out. Canary Tools. High signal detections for malicious behavior on your network. And they are a supporter of the show, so thank you to them. Tosh, an SSH listener that has its IPv6 address rotate every 30 seconds based on a TOTP code. Really smart. Kind of want to mess with that. Tweet Shelf, get the top tweets from people you follow. The missing semester of your CS education. Got that link from Clint Gibbler's TLDR sec newsletter. My friend Casey Ellis's home office setup optimized for video and audio quality. I saw him post something about this or read a blog or something, and I was like, hey, you need to write a blog about this. You know, do a write up. Tell me about all the gear you had, especially the video thing that he had at the top. I was like, what is that? Looked like some crazy camera. So anyway, yeah, he went and wrote it up, and I got the link here. So you can see all the gear he used. And a list of APT groups managed by MITRE. So this is all the different APT names, including the subnames or additional names for the same group. And uh, describes what they've done and everything. Really good resource for anyone who's watching that space. Vim Clutch, a foot pedal for changing Vim modes. I want this, but I don't also, because I just use JK to get back into normal mode. Seems even easier than using a foot pedal. Although I do want it. Be very clear about that. And TLDRSec. Over a given month, I get a good number of discovery links from, from uh, TLDRSec. This is my friend uh, Clint Gibbler's security newsletter. It's very focused on AppSec. 
really cool resource. You should definitely check it out. It's uh, tldrsec.com. And the recommendation for the week, open up your contact list. Click on people you haven't talked to recently that you used to be close with. That could be many years back or, you know, before the pandemic or whatever. And text them and say something nice. This costs you nothing. And it's literally just an out of sight, out of mind problem that we're not talking to these people. You probably have like 20 people that you you used to be somewhat close with and that you just have not contacted them because you just haven't opened your contact list. So just ping them. I think our tech is too convenient. It's too easy to do this for us to never be doing it. And yes, I am writing this for myself, but wanted to pass it on to all of you as well. And the aphorism for the week. What's done is done. What matters now is what you're doing. What's done is done. What matters now is what you're doing. Rigel J. Davidson. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode. And here's your next podcast.